life support is nominal. The oxygen danger indicator level is yellow. Please remember that this is a non-smoking pirate ship. Hey, hey, everybody, welcome to GameIndustry.com's The Gin Lounge. I'm John Breeden, your chief lounge lizard, and your host for this episode of the show. Uh, joining me today is uh, Marie, our longtime reviewer who's been in the, in the lounge uh, forever. Uh, and we have a brand new person here, uh, Marion. Uh, Marion, you uh, you've just kind of got started with Gin. You've done about five reviews, and you also covered... Uh, um, awesome con for us. So welcome to the show to you uh, to you both. Well, thanks. Thanks. Uh, Marion, do you want to do you want to introduce yourself a little bit to uh, to our audience uh, since you're the you're the newbie here, first time in the lounge. Um, although in your short time with Jin, you've been uh, you've been like cra- crazy doing a tons of uh, tons of reviews. Um, so what, what kind of game what kind of gamer would you describe yourself as, and uh, what kind of games do you like playing? Well, um, I'd probably say I'm just really a lifetime gamer. I mean, I'm gaming since I was a kid. Um, PC games, old 80s PC games, um, 90s games. Uh, probably the games I like the most are RPGs. Um, <laughs> and uh, and anything Star Wars, really. Um, sci-fi, <laughs> um I'm not a very big first-person shooter game, um, but I really like some things like Duex, uh, Human Revolution, um, and some Call of Duty. I'm not a big Call of Duty fan, but MMOs, <laughs> RPGs, um, fantasy games, but a lot of sci-fi and anything Star Wars. <laughs> Oh, very cool, very cool. Well, you are in good, uh, you're in good company here in the lounge this week. Uh, Marie and I have both, uh, especially on the role-playing oh, games, yeah. uh, Marie and I are some of the only people that have put in over 800 hours on Skyrim and oh, Morrowind <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I tell people that and when I'm not in the lounge and they think I'm crazy. They're like, that's like, that's like two months of real time that you've spent playing this game, this game. I'm like, yeah. Well, I, but it was, I mean, I've spent a lot of time in MMOs, especially Star Wars, The Old Republic. I mean, it's a beta tester, so I've been playing that since it first came out. Um, and now I'm That's pretty cool. trying to play. Did they, um, I was just curious, as a beta tester, did they give you like a special like cloak or pen or something to wear in the game to show that you were there at the beginning? Usually the games do something like that. Every time I start a new character, I get um, in my mail, I get a little like, um, I guess it's like a something you put on your uh your name saying hey i i was mm. one of the first subscribers <laughs> that's cool <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I have that for Lord of the Rings online. Um, not, I wasn't quite a, I wasn't quite a beta tester for Star Wars, but I was, I was close. Um, so yeah, the Lord of the Rings online every, every, every year they send me a, a, a gift that's like, um, hey, you're, you were there at the beginning, so you get a founder's gift. It's called, and and it's a little package, and you open it up, and it's had all kinds of weird stuff in it. It's had flags. It's had a horse in it one time. That's funny. <laughs> oh no, I just get. Hey, I'm a founder. I get this little uh, token, <laughs> and I get a lightsaber <laughs> crystal. I mean, oh, it's nice. really not much, um, but I seem to get everything I've ever gotten before, like fireworks or heaters uh, <laughs> or pets. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Those are those are the gifts. Uh, yeah, and Lord of the Rings Online, I get fireworks too. So yeah. that's kind of. Fun. I was a beta tester for Elder Scrolls Online, but I didn't like it, so I have no idea what I would have gotten if I had stayed with. <laughs> 
You know, I wasn't a super huge fan of Elder Scrolls Online either. Yeah, I, I mean, to it's be. Just, I think the reason you and I don't like it, Marie, was because we had such a deep experience with um, the Elder Scrolls games in single player that, uh, for me, when I got into the world, there's all those other people running around. I'm like, you know, all these other people just ruin it for well, me. Well, exactly. <laughs> that and the fact that if you're the one who's supposed to save the world, why are there other people queued up to talk to the same person to save the world? I mean, it just doesn't... I didn't, I didn't think it really worked well as an MMO, given the yeah. nature of the Elder Scrolls. I can see that. It seems to be doing pretty well, though. Yeah, I mean, um, a, a I, lot of people like it, but I, I do think that there's uh, MMO players and people who just are not... not. <laughs> no, I get you. I totally get you. I totally get you. All right, well, let's get, this, let's get this show rolling today. So today, the show is all about... Um, we are at the little bit past the halfway point of the year, so we're doing that, that bread and butter show, the, uh, the halfway show. I know Todd Hargosh and uh, Shella have both written columns about uh, games that they've played in the halfway, uh, you know, at the halfway point so far. Um, we're going to do something a tiny bit different today, and we are going to talk about... These are not just the games that we think are like the best games of the year so far, but, uh, but these are uh, games or even DLCs where uh, maybe... It was given to us to review, so we were just kind of like going to go through the motions with it, and it ended up being pretty awesome, or um, something we didn't really expect. Uh, you know, the traditional bridge game, where it's like, you know, there's nothing really going on, but this game is kind of here, so I'll buy it, you know, at, at Best Buy or whatever, and, and bring it home, and and, uh, and it ended up being really awesome. So these are these are the games uh, so far in, in 2016 that we've played that have really surprised us and, uh, and ended up being a, a pretty good experience, and we'll talk about why for each one. And um Marion, uh you are the new person, so I'm going to let you go I'm going to let you go first with your first with your first one. So what is a a good example of a game that that you played so far this year and uh maybe you weren't expecting much or 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 maybe you were expecting something different or whatever. What 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 surprised you? And it can be a good surprise or a bad surprise. Uh most of mine are good surprises, I think, but but feel free to give us a bad surprise if you want. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think um, biggest surprise is um, first before I started reviewing for game industry I didn't actually play many indie games um, so this was really the first time I've actually played a lot of these indie games a lot of these um, smaller developers um, and honestly I was so surprised by the fact that these were really good games I mean I'm I was so dis I was I've been disappointed by some of the main titles before and these just I mean they're just there's so much surprises in them they were so well done um that I yeah I think I'm now an indie gamer <laughs> <laughs> that, that's that's really awesome. We we do uh, you know obviously gameindustry.com. We were we were kind of founded to kind of sh kind of help the the indie gamers, uh, uh, the indie developers, and so forth. And it's really cool to hear you say that. Uh, with uh, some of those games are you know they have in a sense they have more on the line, so they know their games have to be really good. I think when you get a series like Call of Duty uh, or something, we, which we, we mentioned briefly before, where it's like. Um, you know, at some point, I think they kind of, they're like, you know, we're going to get our $20 million regardless, and everybody's going to buy the game regardless. And I, I think they kind of get into a drift mode where they just kind of, you know, put it out there sometimes. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't happen with indie gaming because they won't be in business if they do that even once. And some of these, um, like, uh, multiplayer games, I mean, a lot of companies now are just producing multiplayers, and 
I'm missing some of the stories and the first first player stories and um you know they're just going away from that storytelling and now some like these indie game uh, companies are bringing the stories back I mean they have good stories which I'm very surprised about <laughs> that's pretty cool do you remember one in sp- in particular um, that you want to bring up as an indie game that you I like I think the best one is Orion um Legacy of the Corionda Corey Odin. I don't. I want. I don't want to um, butcher that name, but yeah, um, Orion is probably one of the best games that I played. Um, re- that was the one that came from the uh, the studio, the developer studio in Central Africa, and it had a lot of like African history and, and lore and stuff, right? Yes, um, it was their first title. Um, I think it was the very first game from a developer from Central Africa, which is. Fantastic! Um, it's really great to see um, people from all over participating in gaming and creating games and creating stories for people. Um, but yeah, it brought a lot of African culture, a lot of storytelling. Um, it's really supposed to be fantasy. I think they're on like completely other planet, but it's so down to earth and human. Um, just the human story of this guy. Um, who loses his throne and has to, you know, bring back his people and bring back, um, come back to his, uh, to his realm. That's pretty cool. That's that's really. I saw some of the uh, screenshots and so forth. They look like there was, um, so there's deep story, but there was also some combat and stuff like that in the game. Yeah, as well. it was. Um, it's, I mean, it's a 2D game. It's not 3D, mm-hmm. but um, yeah, there's they, you know, like street street fighting games. They Kind of like there's two people and you start battling out. You can't really go anywhere else. You can't explore <laughs> any more maps or anything. You're like stuck, but still you battle it out. And and they were pretty hard um, battles. I mean, it wasn't easy. That's cool. Um, That's cool. And and what I like too is not just the main characters, but in the background there was a lot of little characters that had their own like little personalities and you know doing some things they weren't some of these games where you're walking around and people are just doing the exact same thing all the time they're just standing there <laughs> these people everyone was doing something um and and i did like the scenery actually one thing that really got me was I don't know what they really were, but they looked like little poles with human hands on them. <laughs> little hands <laughs> on the feet, on the instead of feet, they're little hands. <laughs> I think that I really like the um, background, and I mean, there's so many little things to explore and do, and and it was voiced. I mean, it was all voiced, which was good. Oh wow! You don't get that all the time with no. Sorry, titles. that was something. Um, this wasn't voiced, but um. They had like little placards on top where they had the text of, you know, what they were saying. This was okay. um, also in it's in French and English, so they didn't, you know, instead of translating, they just had the little, okay, this person's face and then the, what they were saying. Um, but yeah, even even those little faces, they kept changing like with moods and emotions. So it was, there was some animation. I mean, you know, I mean, you don't get too much animation with 2D um, games, but there was just the right amount of animation, right amount of, you know, the good storytelling and little, little things going on in the back. So I, I really like. I'm still playing it. Oh, that's great. Well, good for them. I hope that um, I hope that they're successful and uh, and come out with another title. When if they come out with a Second game, Marion, you are you're on deck. It's going right to you. <laughs> so um, yeah, and in another one, I, I 
I do have a second one that I really, really like was Battlefleet, Battlefleet Gothic. Oh, it was, right. um, a real-time strategy game in space. Yeah, that was based on the, um, the, um, uh, 40k, 40k, um, the the Games Workshop uh, title, and they had done. Um, I've reviewed some of their stuff where they've done um, like, uh, oh, I mean, going all the way back to like Chaos Gate, where you, you have the Space Marines. Basically, that's their big thing. Um, but this was the first time that they tried to do anything with um, with ships, and and so how did that how did that work out? So you you were coming to it from from zero. Like I I approached it from you know I I was used to doing the 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 ground battles and so forth with the marines and stuff um you were approaching it from zero what what were you uh what were you expecting or what was surprising about that game well it was the first real-time strategy game in space i've ever um done <laughs> i mean I, I i really do enjoy strategy games um actually my very first one was age of mythology and that was really fun um but this one is a space battle at first i didn't know what to expect because i like the prologue and the tutorial was a little slow, but it started picking up and there was an actual story to go along with it. Um, you're, you're a fleet admiral and you have to, uh, you know, control your ships and send them into battle. And if you lose a battle, that, that changes the story. If you win a battle, that changes the story. So it goes by what you do in the game and you have to, was there, um, Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, but with the with the previous games in that particular world, there's a lot of internal politics where uh, different people are vying to become emperor and 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 even within your squad and stuff. I think in the one game, you actually had a, uh, a political officer who was part of your squad, um, and if you went too far out of bounds, your political officer's job was to execute yeah. you. Yeah, <laughs> that, that <laughs> happened. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> He wasn't doing what he's supposed to be doing. <laughs> he's revolting. Wow! So they did. They, they did bring that into space. Yeah. Hmm. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. But I, awesome. I absolutely loved what they did with the spaceships. I mean, it was just so. Um, it's just so original. I mean, I've never seen spaceships that looked like it was. It was like um, steampunk meets sci-fi meets. Fantasy means everything. I mean, there's like a lot of steampunk and a lot of, uh, I guess there were cyborgs. Um, mm -hmm. When cyborgs and it looks more like the 19th century than like something in the future. Yeah, it's a pretty it's a pretty cool world. And so you have these beautiful ships and you get to blow them yeah. up. So what could be better? <laughs> I was like, don't blow my ship up. Um, but I, you know, you get to play somewhere you want and, and get to... Uh, take them out um you get to control your ships i i don't think i was really good at it because i kept being defeated but um but it was it was hard because you had to position everything everyone strategically to battle the enemy um and they didn't really make it that easy that's cool well it's always good to have it's always good to have a challenge and uh um, you know, you you fail and then you, you get better at it, and you know, pretty pretty soon you'll be a fleet admiral. Just I'm I'm sure of it. All right, uh, Marie, um, we'll uh, we'll jump over to you. So what's uh, what's a game that you played this year that uh, that surprised you so far? Well, you know, I did a lot of um, indie reviews in the beginning of the year as well, and I think one of the biggest uh, surprises in terms of challenge and just quality of the game in general. And just cleverness 
was um, The Flame and the Flood. And mm. I really like those kind of survival adventure games. Um, and there are several, you know, out there kind of right now. But The Flame and the Flood does a really good job of, um, you know, it's, it randomly generates the items that you get when you start the game. And so... So in that... In that, and it's a it's a kind of a rogue simulator. In other words, if you if you die, that's yeah, it. You, you step start over. <laughs> yeah. Right? Okay. Yeah. Um, and, and that actually, in some ways, is kind of the perfect metaphor for life. I mean, you get what you get when you start. Some people are luckier than others, and where they you know start out, and um, and then you die inevitably anyway. Uh, so it's it's very it's a very pragmatic kind of game, but um, it's it's strangely addicting um, just to see how far you can go. And and it's odd um, how much you want to see more of the river because the the premise of the game is that there's been a massive flood. You um, kind of awake, apparently, after the flood has or the rains have stopped. Um, you awake with your dog on this, uh, you know, piece of land uh, out in the middle of nowhere. There's very little resources and you grab what you can and then you get on a raft and as the game progresses, your goal is to find enough food and enough, uh, you know, uh, timber and ignition source, things to keep yourself warm and dry and fed. And you can, if you're lucky, find things to improve your raft and make, because of course, if you bump your raft into something and you damage it, you know, you're going to sink over time. Um, and, and so it's basically all about basic survival. Um, and your dog can carry things for you. And the only thing that makes it um, fantasy is that the things that you give to your dog, he still has when you start over. Oh. So <laughs> if you find, like, really good stuff, but you can't use it right away, always give it to the dog because he'll still have it. So then when you start a new game, your dog has the, the you know, the, the lighter or exactly whatever you found. that you gave him, but you don't have anything. Oh, so, so so give everything to the dog immediately. Exactly. Well, all important <laughs> things. He doesn't carry everything. You know, he's got a right. limited ability to carry stuff. Um, anything rare or super vital, you always give to the dog. But it's a, uh, it's I don't know. It was just so oddly compelling. And then and then how do you how do you get killed in that game? I mean, how do you, what 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 kills you? Does well, your raft sink? Well, sometimes or? your raft sinks. Sometimes you die of starvation. Sometimes wolf kill you. Uh, I mean, it's. Oh, you know, <laughs> wild animals can attack you. It's not always just wolves. Um, but mostly it's uh, starvation or um, drowning or, you know, something horrible like that that would actually happen if you were in a flood zone trying to escape. So uh, <laughs> it was it was pretty rough. So that was that was strangely compelling. And then the other one, and I know you played this as well as the cello. I think cello was the one who wrote the uh, the review was Firewatch. Oh, it's got to bring up the Firewatch. Well, and yeah. when Marion was talking about story in indie games, I think Firewatch is like the pinnacle of of story in an indie game. I mean, I am I am not a particularly sentimental person, and I am not prone to crying, but Firewatch made me cry before I even started playing. Uh, because when you have the questionnaire as your your you know that game begins with um, you as Henry, and he's recounting the story of what brought him to the Watchtower. Um, mm-hmm. And you have to make decisions about um, the choices he made in his marriage, the choices he made um, with his wife's illness, you know, all these things. 
And um, by the time that part was done, I was already tearing up. So <laughs> I was like, well, this is an incredibly hard-hitting game, which um, I was not expecting. And then um, just the, the pace of that game and the discoveries that you sort of happen upon, um, it just, the whole thing was so beautifully done. And it, it sort of, um, it, it really told you a lot about his personal situation without really ever teetering into being saccharine or sentimental. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and there was enough sort of like intrigue to kind of make you think, Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. Is, is this something bad? Is, is, is this something, what, what's going to happen here? You know, it's that kind of thing. There was enough of that, that you were, you know, there were, it didn't, it didn't ever slip into being boring. Yeah, no, I, there were I enough agree. And mysteries that you were like, Whoa, whoa, wait, what's this? You know? <laughs> and Marion, if you're looking for a decent indie game for not that much money, we, we definitely recommend give a, give Firewatch a try. It's kind of a walking simulator at its heart because you're you're never actually in any real danger. Um, they, they make you think you might be in danger, but if if you know if there's a storm coming or there's a bear chasing you or something, and you just stand still, nothing bad is going to happen to you. It's one of those. Um, and and yeah, they do a good job with like the music. And the mm-hmm. and very bare bones graphics. I mean, I mean, it's nice graphics. It's not like they're you know eight bit, but it's like a it's like a Telltale yeah, game kind yeah. of graphic but, level. But you really, know. Um, really, just incredible job with the story. And then, the other cool thing that that game did was there's <laughs> um, you, you're there are no other players in the game. Uh, there are no other characters that you actually ever interact with except your boss Diane. And you only interact with her over the radio. Right. So all the dialogue and everything is done over a walkie-talkie, which is crazy, and it works. Well, what's also <laughs> interesting about that is um, apparently that's a lot of what being in a Firewatch situation is, because you're mm-hmm. incredibly isolated. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I-, I loved that game, but I kind of I looked at it. The interesting thing is it appealed to me for different reasons. Like, um, those initial questions, I... I didn't like the initial questions. I thought they were very limiting. I didn't like the choices that that you had available to you. I mean, I understand that's what the character did or whatever, but, like, there are some choices where it's like, you know, you really want to go out and drink, so do you you lock your your wife, who's suffering from Alzheimer's, in the bedroom and barricade the door, or do you just assume that she won't... um, you just assume that she won't wake up uh, and, you know, don't worry about it. I mean, that's your two choices. I'm like, what about option three, not going to a freaking bar at night while your wife but is obviously sick? You know, I developed a drinking problem. So not going wasn't an option. I, I, know. You know? I, I just I, I, I agree. I agree. But I just I thought that was interesting. And I thought actually the limitations on that, A, made it easier to program the game. <laughs> I mean, let's be honest. That's, well, sure. that's a huge Duh. thing. But the limitations also constrained Henry to be who he was. I mean, it, it really, it was, it was as if he was written for you. So you didn't have a lot of choices. Um, you could, you could fine tune him, but he was who he was. No, I agree. I just, for, for me, a game, I, I really have to enjoy the main, I mean, it's, the reason I didn't like Watch Dogs was not because of the the hacking interface or anything. It was because uh, Aiden was a was a total jerk. Right. <laughs> I did, I did. That's, yeah, yeah, that's how I felt about that game. It's like you know, it was kind of dry. I mean, as a character, he just you know 
you didn't yeah. you didn't care about him. And, and 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 here's another that's another choice where he made stupid choices with Aiden and uh, right. where and you couldn't override with, his stupid choices. Yeah, like with the whole thing with the t- teacher, or the counselor, or whatever she was, and she's like watching your kid, and you know, and and you you just you basically throw money at her every time she gets she gets pissed off that she has to watch your kid or something. Yeah. I mean, it was yeah, but but no, but so so Firewatch for me because I'm wired that way initially kind of kind of turned me off where I was like I I played the game for maybe like uh, a half hour, forty minutes the first time. And I got to where you get to the Firewatch, and, and then I was like, eh, I don't know about this. And I stopped. And then I came back, and I tried to play it a second time from that point, and it got so good, I ended up playing it the whole, straight through, the whole summer, oh, yeah. you know, without, without stopping. It was, it, was, it was really good. So for me, it was more of a slow burn getting into it. But I just like the whole, the whole long, hot summer idea. I think it would be maybe cool to be a Firewatcher, oh, you know? I, I don't know. That. But then you're an introvert, and I'm an extrovert, so that, you know, there's that. <laughs> I think I think it would be I, th- I think it would be kind of neat to to unplug completely for a summer and just kind of be out there doing something. I mean, you don't just go out in the woods and be a hermit, but I mean, you have a job and everything, but just to kind of be there and be disconnected and yeah, you know, I don't know, a reset if you right. will to get your life straight or yeah, something. Yeah, I can reset in a couple of days. I don't need a whole summer. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, I just thought I thought it was cool, and I, I'm I'm an explorer gamer, mm-hmm. so uh, being able to explore the whole park was a lot yeah. of fun. Um, I enjoyed it. Um, the mystery, and again, it's a game I really like. The mystery didn't really the, the mystery didn't affect me. Like I kind of knew that the mystery was not the way it was presented. Like when he sees all that scientific equipment, oh, yeah. he doesn't I mean, know I knew what, what it that is. was. I'm like that's an earthquake sensor, right. dude. That's not like a NSA satellite <laughs> yeah. relay yeah. or whatever I the was hell. I'm not think fooled it by is. that either. But I, there was the the part where the 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 person in the park, you know, the mm-hmm. guy, not one yeah. of the scientists, but the guy who was living there, whose son, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. That that part, I was like, oh wait a minute, is this going to turn into something? Is this going to turn into something? <laughs> that part I thought was creepy. But yeah, I felt the same way about the scientific equipment. I was like, um, no, I don't think there's anything. <laughs> No, that, that that's a DNR right, tent, dude. Right. That's that's nothing. Yeah. <laughs> but but um, the other thing was the whole thing about the girls. Like I was pretty damn sure that the girls were not vandalizing my house and and cutting the park uh, phone wires yeah. and stuff. Yeah. Like I'm like, they're two freaking teenage exactly. girls. They don't know where any of that stuff that is. Stuff, right. yeah. yeah, but you thought they were. So I don't know. But but despite all those flaws. I still love the game, so it was a lot of fun. Well, I tell you, the, the other game, and this, this had much more uh, real you know, issues with it, was uh, A Layers of Fear. Did you play that one? No, that's the one where you're kind of in a mansion, and there's a painter, and you're like exploring paintings well, or something? Well, you are the painter. Okay. And something has happened to your wife and your child. And so it's a, it's a horror game. But it's not a things jump out and scare you horror game, although that does happen a couple times. Mostly, it's a building dread game. Oh, I like and this. And it was surprisingly good and surprisingly moving. And I am not a big horror game person. I'm not like, oh, yay, the latest you know horror game. I'm not that person. Um, so I was a little hesitant to review Layers of Fear because when I'm in a genre I don't generally like, I, I always worry about doing a fair review. Um, Mm -hmm. But Layers of Fear was so story-driven, which brings us back to what Marion was saying about uh, indie games and really picking up and driving hard with the story. 
Layers of Fear is so story-driven and so intriguing, and then ultimately at the end, so messed up <laughs> that <they laughs> just it is it is really a compelling play, and it's basically it's a point-and-click game. I mean, it's really at its heart, it's a point-and-click game. That's pretty cool. Marion, where do you stand on uh, horror games? I, I, I might as well ask, because I might get one for you at some point. <laughs> well, I'm playing this new this game right now with, um, what is it, One, Shan, one Shanbra, Shambara? Okay. <laughs> not good at pronouncing names. Um, and that has zombies and vampires and... You know, you just hack and slash your way through all kinds of species. <laughs> but no, I, I, I like that. Um, anything with like zombies or vampires or werewolves or anything like that. But um, I'm not the big on those psychological thrillers uh, where you're just like in a dark room and things just make noise and <laughs> come at you and you're just like, oh. <laughs> I, I think that's kind of the, uh, for me anyway, that's the highest level of fear. Yeah. Like with the the games where you're actually like, you know, as soon as you put a shotgun or a samurai sword or something in your hand, you, you, I feel, okay, I'm cool because I got this. This is, this is my protection to keep me away from all the monsters and stuff. When you're in a, when you're just like, like Marie was saying, like when you're, you're in a mansion and you're just a painter who's going insane or something. And, um, you know, that's a lot more, you, I feel a lot more vulnerable in games like that. So, or, or uh, movies know. or anything like that. Just go to a haunted mm. house and you're like, Oh, something's touching me. <laughs> <laughs> that's fun. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I'm, I'm up for horror, but, um, I especially like anything like, like zombies or, vampires <laughs> things that really aren't that scary because you know you have a sword or you have a gun or you have something to defend yourself that's cool that's cool well let me um let me bring up one and then i'll let you two each uh do one more if you'd like um but the one that i wanted to bring up was um well there were two and i'll do them really quickly because i'm not the star of the show but i'll bring up my two uh the one is uh, Technomancer, uh, which just came out, um, and I'm doing, I'm writing the review up of it now. Uh, takes place on Mars. It's actually the second game in the series. Uh, it's um, by Spiderweb Software. Um, they do uh, basically role-playing games. They've done a bunch of different fantasy games and stuff. Um, I wasn't really thrilled with the first Technomancer um, game, uh, but this one is uh, pretty amazing. I really, I really like it. Um, it's. Uh, it's interesting, and I'm playing it on the PlayStation, so the combat for me is a little smoother because um, I have that controller, and, and uh, they kind of made it a little bit better. But it's a nice role-playing game. It takes place on Mars. It's like Mars like a thousand years from now, and Mars has lost, track, uh, um, lost contact with Earth. So you belong to this Technomancer faction, and they're basically like mutants who can create electrical surges. Um, that's their kind of power. So they're kind of like Jedi, I guess, in a way. They have, you know, they can electrify their weapon because everybody's using clubs and, and sticks and stuff as weapons. Um, and, you know, if you can take your stick and electrify it, that makes it a really powerful stick compared to everybody else's stick. Um, so, you know, they're pretty, they're pretty cool. And I, I like it. It's got a good story. Um, and, and that's another game where I was just going to review it, go through the motions, you know, ABC, and I ended up, you know, playing it straight through, which was fun. Um, the other one was a DLC for The Witcher 3, uh, the Blood and Wine uh, DLC, um, which um, you always read about this barony called Toussaint, 
uh, which um, and it's it, you if you read all the little books in the game. I know Marie, you're playing Witcher Three. I don't know how I much you read so all the eat books. up with Witcher Three right now. I <laughs> I can't even. I can barely even discuss it reasonably <laughs> because I love it so which, much. Do you read all the textbooks? There's like hundreds of books in the game. You know, actually, I I skim through them. What I really want is for somebody to compile them all the way that they did with the Elder Scrolls books so that I could just put them on my Kindle and read them all at once. Um, because I have a hard time reading on that little print. Even on my giant TV, the print is not big enough for my aging eyes to sit there and read for, you know, hours. And I don't play it on the, I don't play it on the PC. So I'm not sitting right next to it looking at it. Um, I, so I didn't, I haven't played the Witcher three yet. Um, but is it, Similar to like Dragon Age, where you go in and there's like, oh, there's a uh, something to read, and you have to scroll through everything. And well, there's, there's there's actually books that you find, and they go into your inventory, and then you can read them if you want, I guess, basically. So um, I don't really think there's reading as part of the plot, if that's what you're asking. It's kind of just supplemental. Yeah, it's not. Um, you don't have to read. Basically, you have to open all the books. Because if you don't, you don't get the information put in your bestiary guide or you don't right. get the so information you, put you, on your map. The Witcher 3, Marion, is kind of like uh, medieval CSI in a sense. You, you go into like a crime scene and there's people splattered all over the place and you collect blood samples and stuff. And you try to figure out what creature did it. And then you have different defenses that you can build up. So like if you're going after a, a, a werewolf or something, then you, you would put a certain kind of oil on your sword and you would drink a certain potion to protect you from their claws and stuff. And if you do it, if you play it right, you get a big advantage over the monsters that you end up fighting because you've done the research to to figure out what you're going to fight and, and a lot of times you can defeat them either way but it's it's a lot more fun and easier if you do the do the the hard work i guess um in a well, sense and if you're um, the type of person who likes to collect things going around collecting all those potion ingredients and all the alchemy stuff and i mean it's mm-hmm. just i'm i'm so compulsively a collector about stuff like that that you know I'm like the in in games. I'm the opposite of how I am in real life. In real life, I'm constantly weeding through things and getting rid of stuff because I'm like I don't I, I can't stand a bunch of stuff. But in in my video game play, I collect everything. If it is possible to pick it up, I pick it up. You know? Oh oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I mean, each one of the items in Witcher Three that you collect, as far as um, alchemy items and stuff, are like point one as far as weight. And I think I have like 120 pounds of gear of of uh, ingredients. So yeah, uh, I collect a lot of stuff too. Um, but uh, anyway, in the storybooks, if you read them, <laughs> they they always talk about this barony of the the Toussaint and how how it's this beautiful place and and there's knights and and you know ladies in waiting and and you know it's kind of a typical medieval fairy tale land. Um, kind of like in in the sky in the in the Elder Scrolls world, it would be like the Oblivion game, like that type of everything's kind of like a fairy tale, everything's beautiful. And I just assumed it was fake. I just assumed that you were reading about it. I never thought you'd actually go there. And then in Blood and Wine, you actually get to go there. And I swear, it totally changes the atmosphere of the game. You know, you're not in these dirty cities with these hungry peasants and stuff. Everybody, they have like full employment in the, in this barony, I guess. Everybody's working. They're all making wine and stuff. And, and it just it's just a really nice place. And that makes the evil that's there, even for me, even even more powerful. Because, you know, it's it's kind of out of place and it's it's hidden. And, you know, it's harder to find. And, and uh, 
you know, in, a, in, a, in my mind anyway, it makes it more powerful and a little more evil. So um, I, I like Blood and Wine. Um, I was getting bored with The Witcher a little bit after playing through the, you know, the core game and then the, 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 uh, the first DLC. It was kind of more of the same, and it's not like I hated it, but I was getting a little, little tired of it. And, uh, and then Blood and Wine came along, and boom, suddenly I'm right back in it. So it was, it was a nice surprise for me. Yeah, it's, it's really it's made that game. It's super fun. That's cool. Well, I can't wait till you get to the Blood and Wine DLC, Marie, because you're going to really oh, like honey, it. Oh, honey, I'm so close. <laughs> I have it. I, it's, it's loaded. I just haven't gotten to the I haven't gotten to the level that they recommend that you play it. It's 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 high level stuff. Believe me, even even the, like the common little monsters that they're they're like you know level fifty or something. Oh. So yeah, they're they're tough. <laughs> um, all right, Marion, uh, one more, and then we gotta we got to get going. We're getting close to the end of our time here. Is there anything else you wanted to bring up, uh, you know, to throw in as a worthy candidate for a cool game so far this year? Um, okay, well, I mean, I've been spending so much time right now on PC games, but I do play some PlayStation games, and right now I'm still finishing up um, Far Cry Primal. Uh, <laughs> I, I've never actually played the Best Far Cry series before, so this is my first Far Cry um, game, but I thought it was really good, because um, you're finally playing like a Stone Age person that's not those stereotypic, typical um, Stone Age cavemen that you see in commercials and TV, that they really <laughs> showed what, you know, okay, this is what our ancestors used to be like. Um, you know, you're out there hunting, you're, you're gathering a society back together. I mean, there's some enemies that you have to fight, but you're really surviving in the wilderness with saber-toothed cats and mastodons. <laughs> and, I mean, you're, you're up against nature with only a spear and, um, you know, you have to find, um, find ingredients to make, you know, others, other, uh, tools and, um, medicines and things. I mean, it's like real human survival back in the ancient world before civilization. I think thought, thought it was very well done and I'm looking cool. forward to continuing it. Also, you get to, um, you get a wolf, <laughs> you get um, beasts that you can tame, and owls and things. That's that's pretty cool. Oh, very nice. It sounds like a fun game. I have never played it, but oh I know God, Marie. How could you not have played it? I just haven't got to oh, it yet. so good. I have sucked that game dry. I mean, literally, sucked it dry. There's nothing left for me to do in that game. Nothing. Not one you're thing. At, you're at 100% completion on Far Cry Primal. Yes. Wow. I'm impressed. I'm impressed. Yeah. Never gotten 100% completion on anything, I don't everything. think. <laughs> yeah, the Assassin's Creed stuff. But then I also stuff, love like, the Far Cry games. Yeah, I was going to I was going to say now Marie, now Marion's never played the other Far Cry. So the other Far Cry games obviously, you know, you you don't you don't have any spears in the other you you, no. you have machine guns and rocket launchers and stuff like that. But Marie, what what I mean, you you've played both. Um I mean, they're but you like you like both both series, yeah. right? The the modern and the well, old ones. Here's one. the thing. It's, the thing that's great about Far Cry Primal is all the stuff Marion said. Plus, if you've played the other games, the great thing about it is it is both really new, but also absolutely a Far Cry game. And it's, mm. it's you know, you open up territory, you, you defeat encampments, you, you know, sort of do the equivalent, the, the primal equivalent of 
you know, raising your flag over the enemy encampment, which is just mm-hmm. your owl flies over it and makes a cool screeching noise. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, I, I don't know what it is about Far Cry. I feel like it's almost like, I don't know. I, I don't even know why I love it as much as I do. It, the other Far Cry games, I just really think I like driving around shooting people. I don't know, maybe, you know. Uh, yeah, I was going to say my favorite part <laughs> of Far Cry is um, the gyrocopters. Yes, yes. I, I love to get up in the gyrocopters because I don't think the game necessarily expects you to be able to use the, the gyrocopter effectively. as uh, They, they kind of expect you to use it to travel. I use it in combat yeah, all the too. freaking time. And I love it. Like, when you're trying to hit those convoys, I'll fly over them and throw um, Molotov cocktails yes. out the window. Out the, out the window and blow up the vans and stuff. I just love doing that. It's kind of like um, in the and I'll sweep... it's like playing polo when you lop people's heads off from your horse. Yeah, yeah. I, I fly down and I swoop uh, outposts and stuff from the gyrocopter. And yeah, a lot of times I get shot down because it's it's not exactly that durable, but it's fun. But it's, good stuff. <laughs> it's good stuff, right? But yeah, yeah so I, I loved Primal. I, and see, the thing is with Primal for me, it, it hit, it overlapped two huge geekums for me. And one of those, obviously, is gaming, because that's why we're all here. And the other is um, early early uh, human culture. I love pre-Stone Age civilization information. I just read the latest book on um, Neanderthal. I mean, it's just, that is really my sweet spot. And so this game kind of combined those two great loves into one perfect, you know, package. And I just, I loved it to pieces. And I, and I also like that they actually created a language for this. I, I would, I, I think it, I mean, it sounded like they just created a language for it. Like, we know that they were speaking a language back then, but they actually aren't speaking English or another language that we're familiar with, but something that may have been spoken back then, and, and like a real language. So I, yeah, I actually really think they that. created three for it. Oh. I think all the, all the groups speak three distinct languages languages and they did bring in linguists to do that so it's yeah you're right it's amazing <laughs> wow i'm impressed i'm impressed and i i thought it was cool because i learned a little dothraki but <laughs> i guess <laughs> all right marie last, last one for you any other games that super surprised you this this year um you know i, I actually was surprised by how much i was enjoying hitman oh cool that's right i got you into that yeah, yeah you yeah. know i it's not I like stealth in a game and Hitman is all about listening and stealth and so I haven't played it as much as I've played The Witcher 3 because I can play The Witcher 3 while my husband and nephew are walking around and talking and whatever. Hitman requires so much concentration. Oh, you you have to totally concentrate. You, you better you, you'll never get through it without well, exactly. every little thing I, I means something. I have to basically yeah. be home alone. <laughs> and having, you know, like a chunk of time that's quiet that I can just do that. But um, other than that, I was I was actually really surprised by how enjoyable and and challenging, you know, not not horribly difficult, but but challenging the different missions were and the different ways to think about approaching um, and even the training. I really enjoyed the training with all the different options. Like if you if you go through the entire training module, like you do all of it, um, it's there's some very clever and innovative ways to take out this guy. And uh, mm-hmm. I just really, I, I was sort of surprisingly delighted by that. Yeah. I, I enjoyed the, I, 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 
well, the whole thing about Hitman is they're doing it episodically now. Yeah. Usually you buy the game and you have all the missions and you go through it. Um, but with the new one, which is just called Hitman, um, it, it, you know, it's being delivered in episodes. Um, and it's it's pretty cool. Um, you know, I'm, I'm still on the fence about it. I'm a long-time Hitman player. So uh, I kind of like it. Some of the missions, some of the worlds I like, I really like Sapienza because it's an open world. It's got a whole city. Mm. Um, going around your target. I didn't really like the Paris fashion show very much because I felt too confined. I was not able to do a lot of those innovative killing things that I like to do because, you know, there's always a guard standing by the toilet for some reason. So it's like, you know, you know, good luck getting the guy to get in there by himself, you know, that type of thing. Um, But yeah, it was, it was, it was interesting. I like it. And um, I'm really liking the elusive targets, which come out kind of randomly. Actually, there's one coming out on the 15th. Um, This show, when this show runs, it'll actually be after this is over. But the new target that comes out on the 15th is in Sapienza. So it's one of my favorite things, uh, places, and it's twins. It's two identical twins, and you're only allowed to kill one of them. If you kill the wrong one, you lose the contract. So I'm guessing half of the level is going to be trying to figure out which one is actually your target <laughs> and, and making sure you only kill the – I don't know how you do it. I know if you'll get it in the dossier. You'll know that your, your guy's left-handed or something. I, I don't know how you'd fi- figure it out, but there must be some way to – to do it. So I'm looking forward to that. That's going to be a challenge. Yeah, I, I really, I think that they're, I mean, I know the episodic thing is, I don't know. I have, I have, there are pros and cons to that, but I do think they've been very clever with this. Mm-hmm. No, I, I, I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying it. I'm just not, I'm just not at a hundred percent yet with it. We'll see. We'll see how the other levels go. I'm looking forward. There's one in Japan that's coming up. I'm looking forward to that one. I think that one will be a lot of fun. Also, real quick. Have either one of you played Subnautica? No. No. Okay. So you haven't played it on the PC. It's it's out in beta now on the Xbox, and I just downloaded that, um, and I was just wondering if you guys played it. So I'm looking forward to that. I I'm I'm hoping to the it, the PC version of the game has gotten really great reviews, and so I'm I'm anxious to play it on the Xbox. Subnautica is it like a it's like an open sounds... world ocean game? Oh okay. okay. Uh, I think I've seen it. What was that Wii game? Endless Ocean. Oh right right yeah. Um that it's. I mean, it's more action-oriented, I think, than, than Endless Ocean was. But um, it just looks really good. And, you know, while I'm waiting for Elder Scrolls Six, which will be, what, 10 years from now? Um, <laughs> you never know. Bethesda might come out and just, here yeah, it is. Well, that's <laughs> Surprise. true. So, uh, but, yeah, I'm, I'm uh, you know, I'm looking for big open-world games that, that entertain me. So Very cool. Very cool. All right, let's get to our final question. As we're way over our time limit, but that's okay because we love talking to Marion, and we're so glad she was able to make it this week. Um, So my final question is: um, uh, Looking at the games that have come out so far, uh, what do you think? You know, at the end of the year, we always do a postmortem. It was a good year for gaming. It was a bad year for gaming, or whatever. And it's been it's been hit or miss the last couple years. So. Based on what you guys have seen so far, what do you think? Uh, do you think that uh, 2016 is cruising to be, you know, a good year with a lot of great uh, new titles, or an average year, or you know, a bad year? And Marion, what what are your thoughts so far, looking at the at half the year that we've had so far? Um, I think the la- next half of the year is going to be really good for games. Um, there's some really good titles coming out um, too that I'm really excited about. There are Mankind Divided, which comes out next month. <laughs> <laughs> that looks awesome, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> well, the first one, Human Revolution, was just a great story. And I just like the whole future, um, greedy future, the cyborgs, um, 
people were enhanced. I mean, I, I think that's really an awesome story. Um, but Mankind Divided looks like it's going to be even better than the first. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. And I, I'm not really excited about it because, like, oh, they, this looks like a really great game. Well, which does, but I'm a, I want to play Watch Dogs 2 just to see if they fix the stuff in Watch Dogs 1. <laughs> I, I do, too. There, one of our other reviewers, um, uh, Michael Blaker, uh, is the same way. He, he's like, you know, Watch Dogs was a great concept, but, I mean, we all know they executed it so badly. Um, and, and, it, and I'm excited for it for the same reason you are, Marion, is that I think – if they actually listened to us and fixed it, it could be a freaking two could be could make up for the sins of one so easily. Please fix the driving mechanic. <laughs> oh, the driving's terrible. You know, oh man, I was like, uh, you know, you pull off the perfect heist and then you get to your car and you're like, oh crap, I gotta drive. And it's like I was running around trying to find motorcycles because those are the only things that actually mm-hmm. worked properly. Yep. But sometimes uh, you're stuck with a van or a car and you're like. I was hitting everything and poles just going down. Oh, I know. And then you play a game like uh, Grand Theft Auto um, 5 where the driving mechanic is flawless. And it's like, guys, can't you just steal that code? I mean, what? why do you have to be – I mean, I realize it's Chicago, but the streets didn't look that icy to me. <laughs> I mean, I play – I love Assassin's Creed and, and Assassin's Creed um, Syndicate, which I'm still playing now. But even driving the horse and buggy was easier than <laughs> – that's funny. That's funny. Well, we'll see if two fixes the suspension to make it better than a horse and buggy. <laughs> but, um, you know, I mean, I mean, there's really no Assassin's Creed games this year. I know they're coming out with a movie, and I'm hoping they stay true to the movie um, games in the movie, which I'm pretty excited. Yeah, but to history see. says they probably won't. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, and, and Star Wars. I mean, Battlefront. Two, I think, is supposed to come out next year, and now they're coming out with a Battlefront VR this year. Um, I'm not, I mean, I haven't played Battlefront that much because it's just like mainly multiplayer, and I'm seeing the yep. single player again. Um, and I'm hoping they come out with another real Star Wars game soon. Like, yeah, part- like Knights of the Old Republic type yeah, of thing. Yeah, Knights of the Old Republic or Jedi Outcast. I mean, those were some really, really great games that I, I really miss that kind of uh, story and, and um, characters. And uh, But, I mean, Old Republic keeps coming out with new stories, which I'm really excited. I'm playing Knights of the Fallen now, um, which came out last year, but kind of lost it on my old computer. Um, <laughs> so now I'm downloading it again. But I, I'm, they just came out with a new chapter, um, which looks pretty cool. And it's been a long time since they continued that story. So I'm pretty excited about that MMO continuing. Um, um, cool. But, yeah, I, I think the next half of the year is going to be better than the first. Cool. Well, I, I hope you're right. Marie, what do you think uh, from looking at what you've seen so far this year? Well, I've been surprisingly uh, happy with the stuff that I've reviewed. There's only been a couple of games that I thought were either meh, and only one that I actually really detested, and that was a horrible Agatha Christie game, which there's no reason for that to be so horrible. Um, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I mean, I really, how hard is it to mess up a basically a point-and-click game? Um, mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, the big games that I'm looking forward to um, are, you know, Conan Exiles and uh, Kingdom Come Deliverance, and, of course, Mass Effect Andromeda. But I think those are all probably going to come out next year Um, or later, (laughs) you know, because they 
all of those games were at one point slated to come out this year, and and they're not going to. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm, yeah, I I have I have fairly good feelings about this year, but I don't think it's going to be a monster year. I don't think Quantum Break was as good as they wanted it to be. I thought it was innovative, yeah. and I and I th- I thought uh, I appreciated what they were trying to do with that game, but I I think it fell flat. Um, and that was supposed to be a huge, you know, a huge game. And I mean, it did well. I mean, I think it made it mo- its money, but it wasn't a, it wasn't great. Um, it doesn't go into the classic shelf. No, of all-time great games. It, but it really tried hard. And I, I hope that what that means is that, um, you know, they'll, they'll figure out where the issues were, because I got to tell you the book that was the, the quantum break book was brilliant. Um, and I, I was very disappointed that the game, uh, I don't know, want it to be a TV show and a video game? I don't know. Um, but in general, I think the the titles that I've liked most, with the exception of Far Cry Primal, which was brilliant, uh, were indie games. I think the that we've had some really great indie games, and I think uh, some of the ones that Cello's reviewed um, sound awesome. I haven't had a chance to play as many of them as I would like to, but um, I think this is really going to be a big year for indie games. Um, so... Yeah, that's my two cents. All right. Well, thank you both for uh, for coming today. I really appreciate it, and uh, we had a we had a much longer conversation than we uh, we anticipated, but that's cool. Um, uh, uh, for all you listeners out there, let us know what you think. Uh, our email address is ginlounge at uh, gameindustry.com. Uh, you can also find us on Facebook uh, at uh, Facebook slash gameindustry. Uh, you can find us on Google Plus, uh, same same address. Um, we're on Twitter. Follow us on Twitter. We're at ginlounge, so easy enough to find if you're listening to the Gin Lounge, and of course. We're always at GameIndustry.com. Marion, Marie, thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it. Yeah, great seeing you. Absolutely. I'll get you back to. Uh, I'll let you guys get back to playing some of those great games, uh, and uh, and we'll we'll get back to it, and um, we'll see you all right here next time at the Gin Lounge. Take care, everyone, and may all your games be the top games of the year. If only we could be so lucky. <laughs> Thank you.